share with you this morning, just from the beginning. We're here at the start of a new year, and we could be forgiven for thinking, oh, yes, it's January, the start of a new year, because this last year has just seems to be swallowed up by the events that are going on all around the world. But we have come to the start of a new year, and it has made me think again about those beginnings, the beginnings of life, the beginnings of ourselves, the beginnings of all that we see. So we want to read some scripture and then we'll, we'll bring some points to encourage us from God's word. So we're just going to read from Genesis chapter 1. We're going to read all the verse and just all the chapter and just a few verses of chapter 2. So let's read together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. And let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees, bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons, for days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. And God set them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the great sea creatures and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarm according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. 
And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps in the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves in the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree, the seed and its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps in the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that, what, that, what, that he had made and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. Scriptures, we read that often. Scriptures are so full of information and truth about God. Emily S. Fanny Smith wrote a book called The Power of Meaning. And then she talks about this human longing, longing of human beings to have a sense of purpose. To have a sense of purpose. She says that research has exploded and the amount of books that have been written and published on the theme of purpose and happiness has just grown exponentially. From a handful of books in the year 2000 to hundreds of books just 20 years later. That says something about the world. That this world is looking for purpose. That this world is looking for happiness. That this world is looking for meaning. I want to suggest to you this morning, I want to say to you this morning that I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that we have purpose, that we have meaning, that we have a future, and it's found in the scriptures that we have just written or read. Genesis chapter 1 into chapter 2 is full of purpose and meaning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I want to suggest to you three things this morning. From the scriptures that we have read, we can deduce three things. Where I come from, 
when I say where, where we as mankind comes from, what is our purpose and what is our place? Where do we come from? What is our purpose? What is our place? I want to suggest to you this morning, it's found in Genesis chapter 1, in the verse 2, the scriptures we've read. Some things we have to point out first. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Ten words. Ten little words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. If we were reading this in Hebrew in the original language this morning, it would be seven words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Seven words, ten words in our English. We'll work with ten to make it easier for us. Ten words that the foundation of this world, all that we see, all that we can touch, all that we can feel, all that we cannot see, that invisible world, finds its foundation in this first verse. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Any skyscraper, if it's going to stand tall, needs a steep, deep foundation. A hundred or two hundred or maybe even more floors needs a foundation that goes deep down into the ground to hold that weight, to cause it to stand strong and to last These 10 words are the strongest foundation of any foundation because all depends upon these 10 words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, what we have read here goes on to describe how God creates. And there's a thing that is happening in Genesis chapter 1. And it's a, it's, a, it's a big word. I had to go and look up the meaning of it. I want to share it with you this morning so we understand what's happening here. If we have read through Genesis chapter 1 and we see the word continually and appear, and God, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. That happens in the scriptures that we've read this morning over 100 times. And it's called a polysyndeton. I had to go and look up what it meant as well. A polysyndeton. And it is a device that writers, and especially in the old Greek world, used as a tool to draw attention to. If I was to say to you, I went, left my home, and I went to Tesco's, and I went to Sainsbury's, and I went to Marks and Spencer's, and I went to such and such a place. I'm using a polysyntheton. And you can follow my route, and you can follow where I have went. I went to here, and to here, and to here. And if we leave that and out, I could say I went to Tesco's, Sainsbury's, Marks and Spencer's, and and so on. The and is adding a lot of detail. And it's pointing the direction 
for us to follow. And Genesis uses this tool to great effect. Over 100 times the word and appears in the scriptures that we've read. I sat down a few times to try and read them and to count them, and I got countlessly lost. So I'll challenge you. Sit down and see how many ands you can find. You will get lost. I guarantee it. But what is it doing? What is this chapter in Genesis doing? It's as if God is using the words and he's saying, this is the story of creation. And he's saying, look at what I have done. Follow the flow and the process of what I have done. Follow the logic of it. I have said and it is done. It's drawing attention to the very words of God. And it's pointing that this picture that God is the creator of everything. What a foundation to build upon. So that's our first question. Where do I come from? In light of that, we ask that, this question from Genesis 1. Where do I come from? And you can't answer this question without looking at what God has done. We can only answer that when we look at God himself. Because that's what Genesis is about. We sometimes call it the story of creation. But when we get into it, it's actually the story of God's creation. Of what God has created. The focus is not creation. The focus is God himself. What does it tell us? He is the creator. Very simple. He is the creator. Straight away, three things have an axe led to their foundation. Three things. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Evolution. God takes an axe to that root of evolution. That it all just appeared out of a bang. That it all just came from nothing. God says, no evolution. I created the heavens and the earth and no one else. Evolution has that root chopped right through. The second thing is pantheism. That God is part of creation. That the trees have a part of God in them. That all created things have God within them. But no, God stands outside of his creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. They're separated from him. God is way far and above his creation. He stands outside of it. And there is only one God. And that third thing is polytheism, where there are many gods. There are many world religions that claim gods. Many religions in the world have thousands of gods, they say. But here, without a shadow of doubt, without an excuse, God says there is only me and me alone. He does away with evolution. He does away with pantheism. He does away with polytheism. But as we the scriptures we have read, it also tells us that God is a God of great creativity. 
You don't have to walk far from your home. And you can see the splendor, the color, the majesty of God's creation. He is a creative God. That he is meticulous in his creation. He is meticulous. The detail that is in all creation. We prayed at the start about what we can see. But what about what we can't see? God is meticulous in all of it. The chemistry, the physics, the biology that goes into God's creation. The atoms, the protons, the neutrons. All of it we can't see, but we know it exists. It all comes from the meticulous mind and hand of God himself. We can deduce that God is orderly because it goes from day one to day seven. God has a process. When God sat down and spoke, he gave a process. And it was day one and day two and day three and day four and day five and day six and day seven. It's going somewhere. God is a God of order. God is a God of beauty. Where do we start with that? Where do we start with God's beauty? We could name countless things. God is a God of all power. Because what did God do? He spoke. He spoke. And it was. We see that refrain come over and over again in this first chapter. And God said, and it was so. And it was done. And God spoke. And everything obeyed him. God is a God of all power. And it tells us that God has all authority. It belongs to him. He has created it. And he is sovereign over it. Not for one moment is this world out of his, his control. We have looked over this last year and we think it's out of control. But no, God is in control of it all. Every single piece of it. Every atom is under the control of sovereign God. The creator of the heavens and the earth. I like what the writer of Colossians says. In Colossians 3, sorry, Colossians 1, 16 and 17, and I think just sums it up what we've said. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. All things were created through him and for him. Genesis tells us all of this. His creator, his creativity, his meticulousness. He is an orderly God. He is a beautiful God. He is a powerful God. And he is a God of all authority. 
We're just going to show a picture here of one item just to sum this all up. And this item is called in the universe, sometimes it's called the, it's called the Eagle Nebula. And it's sometimes called the Pillars of Creation. I think you can see it on screen. It's called the Pillars of Creation. Now, we look out at our sky, if we ever did it, get a clear night again, and we can't see this. But this nebula is over 70 light years across. 70 light years across. Now, one light year is six trillion miles. Now, you think something that's six trillion miles, um, six trillion miles, you'd be able to see it. And you think something that's 70 trillion miles, you'd be able to see it even more. It's actually 700 trillion miles. But if you look at the one tall finger of it, the tall pillar, that pillar is four light years long. So it's not 24 million miles long. It's not 24 billion miles long. It's 24 trillion miles long. And we can't see it from Earth. And I use that as an illustration to show us that that is so large and so big. How big is God? And I just don't mean in size. I'm talking about big and the strength of his power and his might and his imagination. How powerful is God? How big is God? This is the God who is in control of everything. We come back to our question. Where do I come from? And I've said all of this about God as creator, as the creative one, as the meticulous one, as the orderly one, as the powerful one, as the sovereign God. And the simple answer is, we come from the mind of God himself. The one who has created all things. I encourage us this morning not to just let that wash over us and go over our heads. This is the God that created us. We go back to our original illustration where people are looking for meaning and purpose. And we see a God who has created a universe of such beauty and such power and such size and such might. And he has created us. This is where we come from. And that's the foundation from where we can answer our second question. What is my purpose? What is my purpose? Sadly, there are many people now who find no purpose in their life. And sadly, many of them take their own life because they feel they have nothing to live for. They feel that they have no purpose. But that's not true. That's not true. 
because not only has God created us, not only do we come from God, but God has given mankind a purpose. We read in Genesis 1 and 26, and this is where we find our purpose. And God said, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. A God of such creativity, a God of such power, a God of such order and meticulousness then gives us a purpose. And what a purpose it is. I want to draw your attention to what it says in verse 26. Because up until now, God has spoken and it happened. But notice where the voice is. Then God said, let us make man in our image. You notice that the voice is not outward, but it's inward. The voice is inward. God, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit speaks inward. Let us make man in our own image. He didn't say this to the birds. He didn't say this to the cattle. He didn't say this to the grass and the fields and the birds of the earth. But he says for what he's about to do in the creation of man, let us make man in our image. If that doesn't give you a purpose, if that doesn't reveal the mind of God, I don't know what will. Let us make man in our image. God speaks to himself and then he carries out a work. We haven't time to read it, but we go into chapter two and we start to see how God forms man of the dust. Can you imagine that? The dust doesn't tell us whether God spoke to the dust or whether he lifted the dust from the ground. But he has dust and he breathes into it and makes it in his image. Our purpose is God given. He says, let us make man in our image. Now, there's a lot of debate about what it means to be made in the image of God, whether it's the consciousness, whether it's because we're able to think and reason. But if I could sum it all down into this, God says to the creation of man, he speaks to man, I will make you in my image. And sometimes with an image, what actually is happening, it's a reflection. Sometimes we have, if we have children, sometimes, oh, you're the spitting image of your father. You're the spitting image of your mother. And sometimes we look and we can, we can really just see it plain. Oh, you're like your father. We have the same mannerisms. We have the same laugh. We have the same facial features. 
And we say, you're the spitting image. And we're reflecting our father or our mother. And I suggest to us here that our purpose is here is to reflect our father, our creator, our God. He has built into us and given us a purpose to reflect him to reflect him in his beautiful nature. This was the original intention of God, to reflect him in right decisions, to reflect him in holiness, to reflect him and to praise him with all of our actions and our words and our doings. At the core, I believe that is what it means to be in the image of God, is to reflect him. How are some of the ways, he says, we're to reflect him? Well, if we look at chapter, sorry, verse 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. This speaks loudly and clearly to our day. Because God created them male and female. Gender is a creation and a purpose of God. Marriage is a creation and a purpose of Almighty God. I love the way verse 27 is structured. So God created man in his own image, in the image of of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Do you see the, the repeating of he created an image and he built it into male and female and he has built it into marriage. And you know the great thing about Genesis 1 and the story here? Adam and Eve were content and found purpose and plan and peace in it. Adam and Eve were content in what God had spoken into their lives and the purpose he had given to them. Male and female are equal in the creation of God. But God has given different purposes to male and female. But we're equal in equality in the image of God. So we can't abuse it either. We can't abuse the, the, our genders and our, and, our, and our sex that God has given to us. And we can't bully one another. And we can't lord it over one another. But we accept it. And in acceptance of that and fulfilling our roles, we reflect the glory of God and reflect the purpose of God in our lives. How do we know we reflect? Because... God says he blessed them. He blessed them in verse 28. And God blessed them for us to reflect God's purposes. God blessed them. It is a blessing upon our lives to reflect almighty God. It also says he gave them dominion. So we have a role over this creation. We're to rule and reign as God's representative and if you read in Joseph, in the, in the story of Joseph, or if you read the book of Daniel, and you'll see a word where, that is used where Joseph and Daniel were promoted to. And the word is satrap. 
And one historian describes Satrap like this. He, the Satrap did not rule as a king himself, but was a guardian of the king's power. He was a guardian of the king's power. God gave a purpose to his creation. God gave a purpose to Adam and Eve. Have dominion. Rule on my behalf. Rule and reign on my behalf. Treat what I have created as though I was treating it. And that's a, what, a, what, a, what a purpose that God has given us to, to us, to, to this beautiful planet that we have in this universe. And God says, I want you to treat it as I would treat it on my behalf. What a responsibility. What a purpose God has given to us. What an elevation that God has given to mankind. We can look at ourselves and say we're just so low. But God has lifted us to such heights. Psalm 8, David says, What is man that you are mindful of him? What is man that you have lifted him to this, this pinnacle? What is man that you have lifted him to such a height? God has given us a purpose. If I could speak directly to you today, you come from the mind of God and God has given you a purpose. And what a purpose to reflect him, to reflect almighty God, the one who is full of beauty, the one who is so creative, the one who is so powerful, and he gives it into the hands of his creation. The one made in his image. What a purpose that we have. Why did God create the world? Just to emphasize what that purpose is. He created the world to glorify himself. To reveal himself. So that all could look at it and lift their voice and praise and worship and glorify him. Let me read just Psalm 33, just a couple of verses to you. This is why God created the, the, the world. Verse 6 of, of Psalm 33. By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. He gathers the waters of the sea as a heap, he puts the deep in storehouses. Let the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. And the emphasis is on let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Let them reflect his glory. Let them see his glory. When we look around us, we should see the glory of God. That's why creation can never be God. Because it points to God. That's what Genesis 1 is doing. It's not saying it's about creation. It's pointing to the one who is behind creation. And he is the one that has given us this purpose on earth. And then God crowns it. 
he crowns it because he said it was very good. In verse 31, all of the creation, those six days, God saw that everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. God crowns the sixth day and all of the days up until then, it was very good. Sometimes we can look at that word very good and just think, yeah, it's just a statement. But it was perfect. There was peace. There was contentment. There was happiness. Nothing was missing. Nothing was lacking. All was there. And everything was satisfied in God. We come from God and we have a purpose. But what is our place finally? What is our place? Many of the time we stop at day six. We say day six is the pinnacle, the creation of man. And that's true to a degree because man is created in a, a unique way where God breathes into man and makes him in his image. But we have to remember there's a seventh day, the final day, the closing day, the pinnacle day. And that's in verse two, chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. We said at the start that God was going somewhere. Day one, day two, day three day four, day five, day six. And they all find their place in day seven. The day of God's peace and the day of God's rest. Because this is the day that God blessed. And this is the day that God made holy. It's as if he took those six days and wrapped them up and enveloped them in day seven. And he brought them into that place of God's peace and God's contentment and God's holiness. There would be a day yet, but the seven days of creation paint a complete picture of God's purpose and God's plan for mankind in his original plan. Let me sum it up like this. God created a people and he gave them a purpose and he gave them a place to fulfill that purpose. It's God's people doing God's work in God's place. I think that's a lovely way to sum it up. A lot of theologians talk about this, these phrases and I think it says it completely. God's people doing God's work in God's place. And that is a place of utter contentment and peace and holiness. There is meaning to life. 
There is happiness to life. There is purpose to life. And there is a place of peace. And it is only found in God. I wish we could stop where we were. I wish we could stop at that seventh day. And God said it is good, very good. And it's finished. And he blessed the peace on, on day seven. And he made it holy. And there was absolute rest and contentment and happiness. And everything was good. But we can't. We know the rest of the story. We know what happened. Where Satan tempted Eve. And Eve gave to Adam. And it all fell apart. And God's intention was undermined. God's original purpose was broken. But it was not destroyed. Because God still desired to have a people created by him, doing his purpose and resting in his peace. And as we read the rest of the Bible, we see God restoring his original purpose and going even beyond that. Because God's intention for Israel, and we see it in the Old Testament, was you will be my people and I will be your God. What an intention. God still never forgot his true intention. It would happen. And it would ha have to happen in a different way. But God would make sure he would have a people and he would be their God. We can read to the end in Revelation. And that's exactly, that is exactly what God achieves. We read chapters 20, 22 and 23. Listen to what God says, just this in closing. And he who was seated on the throne, verse 5 of chapter 21, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage. And I will be his God. And he will be my son. God has given his people. He has given his people the, the privilege of saying, you are my God. And God says to us, you are my son. What began in Genesis will be completed. It's on its way to happening. God has called the people onto himself to reflect him as their purpose and he will bring them home to be with him 
in his peace and his rest and his kingdom forever and ever. We know where we come from. We know what our purpose is. And we know what the place God has for us. Let me ask you this morning. Have you put your trust in him? Are you saying I come from somewhere else? You've rejected God. You're living for your own purposes. Your own plans. And you're saying no to God. And you're thinking, I'm going to have my life for myself. But then you can't find a place in God. You can't find that place of peace. Because outside of God, there is no place of peace. There is no forgiveness of sins. There is no forgiveness from that fall of sin in the garden without Christ. Because that's how God restored mankind through the sacrifice of his own son on Calvary. Through the cross of Jesus Christ that he would pay the price for the ones who couldn't pay the price for themselves. Man was lost. The Bible tells us he was dead in sins. But then it says, but God because of his great love, sent his son to die in our place. You are the creation of God. You are the creation of Almighty God. God calls his creation to the purpose of reflecting him and glorifying him. And for those who put their trust in him, he promises a place of peace and rest in him. He promises a day seven rest and peace to those who put their trust in him. We have to call out to him for forgiveness of sins. We have to acknowledge that we have fallen from that purpose that God has given us originally that our sin has separated us from our creator but only Christ can bring us back into relationship with him it's not right living it's Christ out of Christ comes right living but not right living to gain Christ We are dead in sin and we acknowledge Christ. We call out to him for mercy and he promises to forgive and our lives are changed and we want to to glorify God by our actions, by our thoughts, by our deeds. And God says, I'll bring you to be with me And I will be your God. And you will be my son. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the words of Genesis. 
Father, there are so many today disputed. But Father, by your Spirit, we are utterly convinced. Utterly convinced that you are the God of creation. We look to you and you alone. We thank you that you have brought us back into right relationship with you through the blood of your son, Jesus. And by the work of your Holy Spirit working within us, you're, you're changing our lives. Day by day, you're making us whole, more holy. And as Hebrews says, one day we will see you and we will be like him. Like him. Like your son, Jesus. And Lord, that day you will be bringing us into your kingdom of peace and rest and joy and rejoicing evermore. Opening our mouths, having them filled with praise and glory and honor to Almighty God. Almighty God, there is no one like you today who is worthy of all of the praise of all of the glory and all of the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.